This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Welcome back to those of you who are faithful listeners and welcome for the first time to those of you who've just tuned into the Positive Psychology Podcast. Today we're going to talk about optimism and why it's really important. It's probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in positive psychology and it really keeps people from making progress. So today we will talk about what optimism is, how optimism and pessimism operate in our brain, benefits of optimism, most common concerns people have about optimism and what you can do if you want to get more of it. First of all, there are two kinds of optimism and when you read books or articles, they talk about, usually about expectations. So optimistic expectations means that you believe that something in the future or the future in general will turn out well versus pessimistic thinking where people assume that all kinds of problems will come out and maybe the whole overall um, they will not be successful. Another definition of optimism is explanatory style. Now, what is that? Basically, it means it talks about how you explain events that happen around you and to you in your head. Now, our brain is so used to doing that, that it does it so fast that we often don't even notice that this explanation is taking place we see something and all we notice are our emotions about it but actually those emotions are the results of the explanations that we tell ourselves and again we do this so fast the brain is trained to do everything that it has to do repeatedly faster and faster so you've been explaining events to yourself your whole life which means that your brain can do it at a speed that's so fast that you don't even notice it. Um, so, of course, you don't have to fall into one of these black or white categories. Nobody is always an optimist and hopefully most people are never always pessimistic. Usually people fall somewhere in between and you can also shift depending on what situation you're in, you might be more optimistic and in some you might be more pessimistic. The whole point of this episode is basically to help you examine what whether this balance works for you, whether this balance between optimistic thinking and or what some people might call um, realistic thinking, um, they think that's an opposite, optimistic and realistic thinking, we'll talk about that later, but the question is, is the balance that you have between these different thinking style and expectations working for you, yes or no? And if you are frequently unhappy and frequently experiencing negative emotions, you might want to check out whether the balance is a bit off. So coming back to these explanatory styles... This might may sound all a little bit theoretical, but please, please stay with me. 
And the reason is that I will explain to you exactly how these theories can help you. So there are th- several dimensions. And uh, Martin Seligman talked about learned optimism in his book with the same name. And he basically came up with this concept when he discovered in his research that you could teach an animal to be helpless. You could systematically train an animal that it has no agency, it has no power over the events around it, which means that in the beginning, these animals, it was dogs, these animals will try, these dogs would actually try to change the unpleasant things that were happening to them, which were um, water splashings, I I think I remember. Um, But then they trained them to see like, look, dog, there's nothing you can do. So these dogs became helpless. And Seligman wondered whether it was possible to train the opposite, whether you could actually train dogs and people to to be more optimistic, to to see that things can actually work out. And he encumbered a couple of dimensions and he gave them very complicated sounded names, which are frequently confused. So I took the liberty to to kind of rename those dimensions. So when you th- Think about explanatory style. One component of that is whether you believe whatever is happening to you happens all the time or never. Now think about it. When you go out of the house in the morning and you miss your train and you think, oh man, this just always keeps happening to me, chances are you will be unhappy simply because Not just because what happened today, but because you believe, even if it's just for a couple of seconds, that this always happens to you. So when you look at bad events and you think that they always happen to you, it's it's it can be quite, you know, annoying, depressing, whatever. Um, But if you look at positive events and you think, huh, this always happens to me, you know, you you find money on the street and you're like, wow, this this is it's like the fifth time this has happened to me. This always happens to me. I'm a lucky guy or girl. Um, then this dimension of time, when something happens to you or how often, um, that can really help you to understand the world or it can really, really mess up your your um, brain. And in people who are depressed, they think that things just you know never work out. And if something accidentally works out, that's just, as I said, an accident. It's not something that is normal. And the nature, the law of nature is basically that things are bad. Versus an optimist would think that, you know, more often than not, things are always good. Of course, there is some room for um, for calibration here. So, you know, of course, things are not always good or never good. But it tends to, an optimist just tends to think that things are more often good than not. And things, good things frequently happen to them. And bad things infrequently happen. The next dimension is, what is the cause? Who is the cause of whatever happened? Is it me, the person, or is it the rest of the world? Now, if something bad happens to you and you always immediately blame yourself that's going to be 
very very it's gonna take a toll on you it's it's gonna make it hard for you because you feel bad you feel that you are the one who's always messing up and um optimists tend to look at bad causes outside of themselves now of course this can be problematic and we will talk about this later because it could also lead to people you know shunning responsibility but for now we're just discussing the source of whatever is happening you yourself versus the rest of the world and um, optimists tend to believe that you know good things either happened because of the actions they took or at least they were significantly linked to what they did even if the rest of the world somehow contributed to them um, pessimists tend to think that bad things happen because of them and good things if they ever happen are an accident which somehow originated outside of them and is therefore beyond their control the third dimension is the extent so whenever something is happening do you think of it as a single event or as an all-encompassing event meaning is it something that happens for example in your job and it's in your job alone or is it more global part of your life? Now, this is a little bit difficult because it sounds like the thing we discussed always and never. The difference is basically if you look at the domains, okay? So always and never, that's more of a time issue. Whereas the extent is more, do you think of this single event or do you think of it as something that extends beyond different dimensions in your life, such as relationships, um, job, health, all of that? So if a single good event happens, an optimist tends to think, well, this is something that actually happens and is applicable to many dimensions in my life. So even though something good might have happened just at work, they see parallels to other dimensions, to other areas of their life. Um, so they say, although it's just a single event, they can somehow link it back to other good events that happen to them in the in the other areas of their life. Um, if a pessimist looks at the single event and it's good, again, it's more of it's it's something that's usually an accident. It usually originated outside of them, and it's a single event in this single dimension of their life which has no influence, so no positive influence in other dimensions. However, if it's a bad event, it's very likely that pessimists and people who tend to be depressed kind of take that single event and look for similar things all over the place in all areas of their world. So it will be, it will happen, bad things happen all the time. They happen because of things they did and they happen um, in many areas of their life. So again, these dimensions are time, always versus never, the source of the event, and how do you explain the event, yourself versus the rest of the world, and the extent, the, the domain. Is it just one domain of your life, or is it several domains of your life? Um, so to, to give you an example, we started off by taking the example of someone missing the train in the morning, right? So... An optimist would look at this and say, oh, this hardly ever happens. The source is 
outside of the world. Maybe the train was early. It, it's not my fault at all. And it's just part of riding and commuting on trains. It has nothing to do with the rest of my life. It will not in any ha way influence the rest of my day. A pessimist, on the other hand, would say something like this. I miss the train almost every single day or always. It's me because I'm absolutely incapable of getting out of the house in time and getting my life together in general. This is just one of many ways which show that I am completely incapable of dealing with the demands of daily life. Now, the important thing to understand here is that the event is realistically exactly the same. A person misses the train. There is, from an object objective point of view, there is no difference between the person who is optimistic and the person who is pessimistic. Both just miss the train. However, how they explain these events to themselves makes a huge difference. And, you know, one person would likely just be there and, you know, if they have to phone ahead and say, tell someone they're late, they'll just do that. Whereas the pessimist might think, oh, great, this is one of these days when everything else will go wrong as well. And if you think about it, it's funny because people always think that optimism is is unrealistic. And I hardly ever hear people talking about how incredibly unrealistic pessimism is. Because if you miss a train, I mean, it can trigger, you know, bad events. If you're really unlucky, it can be, you know, the very day that you have the most important presentation in a whole year and you know it's conceivable that things can really go downhill from there but more often than not you missing a train or somebody not saying hello to you has no effects on the rest of your life whatsoever because all the events that happen throughout the day have absolutely nothing to do with that and that's something that people really rarely talk about they always think about how unrealistic optimism is but pessimism is incredibly unrealistic often because it's very it's very self-focused take all these you know examples where people you know you go to starbucks and and the barista does not smile at you and people think like oh he doesn't like me or she doesn't like me and actually that's incredible incredibly unrealistic you have no idea how that person feels about you more likely than not they probably you know they're having a bad day and if they're having a bad day they don't care about you in the first place enough to think about whether they like you or not so so that's really important understanding that huge parts of our life we we actually don't factually know what realism or the truth actually is so there are lots of benefits associated with optimism which is why positive psychology promotes it in the first place um one is the what i what i've been saying throughout this program that your emotions are a direct are often a direct result of what you're thinking consciously or unconsciously so if optimism leads to positive emotions, you have all these kind of benefits, um, like it will make you more open, creative, and it's more likely to make you engage in behaviors which will help you to build resources for the future. And if you're interested in 
learning more about emotions, I urge you to check out episode number three, which was about positive emotions. Other benefits um, come from the area of health. So lots of studies were made where they measured how people, um, you know, whether they were optimistic or pessimistic, they gave them questionnaires to answer questions and then they will get a score and they will then kind of correlate this with what happened to these people and they found different things like for example in one very notable study they actually locked up people who had agreed to this it sounds a little bit unethical but people had agreed to this so they locked them up and gave them the flu virus and before they did that <coughs> excuse me before they did that they asked them to to fill out those questionnaires. So it turns out that those people who who were more optimistic were much less likely to get the flu and if they got it their symptoms much were much um less worse, you know, the the no, they hardly had any symptoms compared to the more pessimistic people who turned out to be really sick and this is really interesting because you can't talk about anything else. They were living in the same in the same house it was they were basically under quarantine so there was no way for them to to really you know for the optimists to somehow get some advantage over the pessimists the the conditions were exactly the same yet the pessimists got more sick than the optimists um they also found that people are of course less likely to suffer from depression they are optimists are more able to tolerate pain um, which is often measured by telling people to, you know, put their hand in a nice bucket and see how long they can do that. They also found, and this is really interesting, that optimists tend to actually comply better with doctor's orders. So if people are sick, optimists were more likely to actually do the stuff they have to do to get better. So to take the medicine, to go and exercise, sleep enough, whatever it was, they were also more likely to learn more about their condition proactively, to ask more questions from the doctor, to do more independent research so they could learn to deal with it. They also found that wounds healed faster in optimists and that they were much less likely to be re-hospitalized, um, for example, after a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. So... As you can see, it's not just about feeling good and having joyous emotions. It's really, there seems to be quite a health benefit in in being optimistic. Now, I would like to talk about the most common concerns because, as I said, optimism is one of the most misunderstood concepts in positive psychology and probably psychology in general. So... I'll just go through a couple of points and talk about what's actually happening there. So the first is that I keep hearing this all the time. It's not good to be optimistic all the time. And that's something that I hear a lot. And it's, to be honest, it's weird to me because you have to be incredibly optimistic to believe that you can be optimistic all the time. I mean, do you understand what I mean? It's kind of, it's really unlikely. Um, Nothing is good all the time. Nothing 
in our entire life is good all the time and in every situation. And no serious scientist would ever argue that a thought, emotion, belief, concept can apply to can be applied to every single situation of our incredibly diverse lives. So what is it behind this remark? Well, basically, if people are honest, it's it's actually kind of a defense mechanism when we say, oh, we can't be optimistic all the time. Um, what's basically happening is that a part of you does not feel threatened. It doesn't want to change the way you've been thinking. So it comes up with arguments like, oh, this is not good in every situation and look at all the all the bad things that come from it. But actually, you know, it's not so much about it's not engaging, truly engaging with the concept or the argument that the other people is making. So when you say something like, oh, optimism is not good all the time, it sounds like you're being critical and you're intellectually engaging with it. But actually what happens is you're pushing it away. And and the good news is, you know, I don't I don't know who you are or, or where you are. Um, if your thinking style is working for you, neither I nor anyone else is really going to come after you and demand you to change it. So if the way you think and the way you feel makes you happy, you don't have to change anything. There, There is no need. So there's no need to be threatened. All I'm saying is that if the mental climate in your brain, you know, if you think about it as the weather, and if you think like you just have more bad weather than nice weather, and you would rather have a little bit warmer climate in your brain, then it might be, it might make sense to just think about whether increasing optimism and also becoming just more, more aware of your thought p- patterns in general. This is not just about optimism. I mean, explanatory style is actually a neutral concept. Um, if you just understand more about how you explain the world to yourself, that's probably going to help you with the mental climate. So that's that. Second one is um, that I've already touched upon is that optimism is not realistic. So um, some studies have actually shown that pessimists are better at figuring out the truth than optimists. However, when scientists actually looked at these studies, they found that this was only true if the truth was bad. So they found that people have a tendency to be good at finding information that confirms their world view. So, for example, when the task was to determine to determine if someone was lying or not, the pessimists did much better because it confirmed how they think about the world. They think people are deceitful, so they look out for it and they catch the liars better than the optimists. However, when good stuff was happening the pessimists were much less likely to detect that. Even if it was true and realistic, they missed it and the optimists did not. So the question I want to ask you is this. Is it worth being miserable a lot of the time, missing out on these documented benefits that I talked about when it comes to optimism, if Actually, all you have to do is learn which situations, in which situations optimism might not be the best option, and then just, you know, adjust to that situation. Maybe it would just make sense to think about ways or times when optimism may have really given you a disadvantage, 
be conscious of that when that happens, when you come into the situation. So, for example, if you are going to an important business negotiation, being all sunny and happy and optimistic might not be the right thing. But that doesn't mean that overall, in general, you can't have a, a, a more optimistic outlook on life. It just means that in those situations, you might want to learn which situations it's not that helpful and then see what you can do to counteract those effects. So another one that has been that has come up frequently is optimism keeps you from achieving goals because in your mind you already achieve them. Now this is an interesting one. Um, there are some research findings which back this up. So I guess there is probably something to it. However, interestingly, the opposite finding, that optimists show more perseverance because they believe something is possible in the first place, also frequently keeps coming up. So it seems like in, in terms of goals and goal achievement and the role of optimism and pessimism, uh, science still has to learn more to kind of give an, a well-informed answer as to what is true and what isn't. Um, what they have found is that strong pessimism keeps people from going after goals in the first place. So in those cases, the failure rate is 100% because they don't even try. So if you think about it, um, optimism might in some instances, which we don't, we are not yet sure when, um, keep you from achieving your goals. But pessimism, strong pessimism will 100% keep you from achieving them. So... That's one thing. And even if pessimists actually try to do something, it has also been shown that they don't see opportunities as well as optimists do, which comes back to what we talked about confirming our worldview. So if people actually, you know, put money on the sidewalk, optimists were much less likely to find it and pocket it than optimists because optimists believe they were lucky and this kind of thing happened to them. So they were open to the opportunity and actually found the money. Um, now, optimism alone is, of course, not enough to achieve goals in itself. Optimism is not a replacement for strategy, which, of course, involves thinking about possible obstacles. However, as I said before, you can be overall optimistic that a project will work out while still examining potential problems that could come up. And this is not a contradiction at all. Then number four of the concerns that people have about optimism is um, they say things like, oh, you can't cure illnesses with optimism. And, you know, they read the kind of findings that I talked about, you know, the health findings. And it's important because people, and the media is not very helpful here, people confuse what's happening. So it's important not to confuse cause and effect. Um, while there seem to be diverse health effects associated with optimism, that doesn't mean that optimism alone cures. The optimist still had to sleep, comply with doctor's orders, and do other things that made it more likely that they were either not get sick in the first place or, or you know, bounce back. However, the more optimistic people were the more likely they were doing all these things so it's not the optimism itself but the behaviors which it triggers which makes it more likely for them to enjoy all these benefits however that's not the same as saying you know 
you are sick, just believe you're not, and then you'll be fine. That's that's completely not the same thing. So please don't confuse that. And number five of the concerns people might have is about the explanatory styles we talked about before. Um, if if I use the dimensions above, I blame the world for my wrongdoings and take credit for everything that's good. Doesn't that kind of make me a jerk? And I think that's an extremely valid concern. Um, we have to, however, distinguish what kind of people are using this and how. So if someone is chronically blaming themselves for everything bad that happens in life to themselves and to others it can be really really damaging for them it's very likely that they get almost paralyzed mentally and they will fall into depression and and not a lot of good will come out of that so just thinking about the factors outside of the person which could have contributed to bad things happening can actually help them get back more balance and vice versa if something good is happening and they think oh that's just the rest of the world it has nothing to do with me um, thinking more about what the person contributed can again re-establish a healthy balance however if your explanatory style is already quite balanced and if you are quite good at distinguishing you know what your um, contribution was what the world did for you and all of that maybe a better idea than just blaming or taking all the credit and you know pushing away all the responsibility would probably be to just you know to employ gratitude when things are working well you know you can you can still think wow you know i i did well i i prepared myself really well for this presentation however i'm also really grateful to the people who were there because they smiled at me they nodded they received my presentation well so we actually use gratitude which is a very popular concept in positive psychology too to credit you know what the rest of the world has done for us if something good happens and if something bad happens, um, using acceptance and compassion can be really powerful. So instead of having the need to blame anyone, you know, the world or yourself, just saying, okay, this is how it is. And um, if if we made a mistake, use self-compassion with yourself. If somebody else made a mistake, be compassionate with those people who made mistakes and by eliminating this harsh blame and replacing it with acceptance, we can both be optimistic, but also deal with problems in a really productive way. So, huh, was that much? How are you guys doing? <laughs> so, if you want to get some optimism, what can you do? Well, if you're really, really pessimistic, um, I would not suggest that you try to become optimistic all at once that can be a little bit of a big leap so what i like to encourage people to do is to look at the world around them and not to see the good because maybe if you're really pessimistic you're not quite ready for that rather i want to i ask people to try to be conscious of all the neutral stuff that's happening of all the stuff where we actually don't know what's going on so for example, when, you know, somebody doesn't say hello to you, actually, you don't, factually, you don't know why this person is not doing it. You don't know if they did not see you 
if they don't like you, if they are just having a bad day and don't want to be um, caught up in a conversation, if they are really late and need to go somewhere and are just, you know, have tunnel vision. So you don't know what's happening. And that's actually a case for a lot of things, for, for all the little unpleasant things that are happening. You know, maybe the person who's cutting you off um, when you're driving your car, maybe they're rushing to the hospital. You you simply don't know what's going on. So instead of explaining yourself, um, instead of telling yourself, and again, your brain does this really quickly, so maybe you might not be conscious of it, but if you get a bad feeling after somebody cuts you off, chances are that your brain said something like this. This is, the, this is a complete jerk and the world is full of people like her. Okay, And if you say something like that, you're going to feel bad because, you know, believe it or not, a part of you does not want to feel that way about the world. And if you just think about how often you have no idea what's going on, it might be a little bit easier to just come up with alternatives. So if you find yourself explaining something in a really negative way, just try to think about, okay, what other options are conceivable? Um, You don't actually have to pick one. You don't have to favor one. You can just start by looking at, okay, do I actually know all the facts 100%? No, probably not. So what other explanations are possible? That can already do quite a lot to just slow down the explanation process in your brain. Because if you're questioning it, you're slowing it down. So it's not automatic anymore, or at least not all the time. And that will help you become better. Um, Then the next step, obviously, is in general, just understanding how you explain events to yourself. Um, Understand that on some level, pessimistic explanations actually fulfill a need. And and this might sound weird, but you know, um, if we think, oh, um, optimists are are really, you know, they're a little bit dumb, or they're they don't know what reality is. That means that the pessimistic views we have, while they may might make us unhappy, the pessimistic explanations could actually give you some kind of benefit. Now, what am I talking about? Um, Think about literature critics, okay? Um, The famous ones are usually not the ones who praise work. And for some funny reason, you know, the critics hardly ever like books that the public likes. So it's not called critic for a reason. It's often a negative view. So these are experts and we perceive people who can, you know, make funny or or clever negative remarks as smart. So maybe a part of you chooses to see yourself as smart. And the price is that you might feel, you know, if you change your view and if you stop thinking bad things, that might mean that you, you are not as smart anymore or better than other people so a part of you might actually be quite attached to that view that you are smarter than other people that unlike other people you know how the world really works and if you are feeling kind of pissed off at me right now chances are that something like that is actually happening sorry um so let's say you manage to kind of slow down the explanation process you could get some doubt um get some doubt in and just see what's happening. Um, It's really important that you don't 
think, okay, now I'm ready for optimism. I'll just, you know, think the best possible thing. Usually that's too big a jump. What do I mean? If something sounds like a lie to you, don't say it. Um, That's one of the biggest problems that positive thinking has is that sometimes people are encouraged to do things which they don't believe is true. So if you're feeling horrible and you stand in front of the mirror and you say like, I am great, I am awesome, this day is going to be awesome. You know, you can say these words, but everything inside of you is screaming liar. And if everything inside of you is screaming liar, there is no way you can win. And think about the relationship you have with yourself and the kind of self-talk you use. Um, Compare it with an authentic friendship. Now, how serious would you take a friend who just, you know, completely, you know, says things that are absolutely not possible? And, you know, they might be optimistic, but so over the top that they cannot be true right so you wouldn't really trust that person so you don't you want to make sure that you can trust yourself so the first step would be to become conscious of the explanations um, that you give yourself to give yourself some room to this idea that maybe you're not right about everything that's happening you know just like other people are wrong sometimes maybe you are too and that that's fine and if you accept that that can actually be quite liberating and then if you if you move from i'm absolutely certain that things are horrible to maybe in some instances things are not that bad to hey here on and actually a better alternative is possible and then if you move up even more you can choose the alternative which may sound like it could be true and if you keep doing that you will you will see that eventually you are in more control over the explanations that you give yourself about the events that are happening and chances are you will feel a lot more a lot better so that was probably quite a lot to take in it's maybe not that easy to just hear these things and yeah i i hope it was useful for you um thank you very much Uh, So far, this podcast has been downloaded in 43 countries. So if you like what you hear, please share it with others and help them find the podcast as well. Every time you rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher or however you're listening to this, and every time you write a comment, that actually tells the system that it has to bump up the podcast a little bit you know further up so that means that people can find it more easily so if you want to do a random act of kindness i would really appreciate that if not no worries for me the most important thing is that you listen to these things and just consider these ideas and even if you are really not on the same page with me that's cool Um, but at least you have a proper argument you have to you have points that you can address and maybe you can change the inner dialogue If you are already optimistic, um, well, you know, congratulations. Make sure it's not it's not getting you into the kind of trouble we discussed. And yeah, I wish you guys all the best and talk to you in a week or two. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with happy yogurt.